Welcome to Bench Reactions, an NBA podcast brought to you by promising me a million times that you will never do another rule. I'm your host, Patrick Hervey, and I'm joined today by Dan Lyons, Jason Lamprecht, and Zach Burnham. What's up, dudes? Dude, have you guys seen uh, the Jake Johnson movie with uh, with with Santa yet? Oh yeah, self reliance. <laughs> I, I need to I need to have his his uh, that actor's name memorized, but uh, that dude Biff just Whiff, killed. Dude, it's Biff Whiff. Biff Whiff. Biff Whiff. Detective Crash. Yeah. of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <that's laughs> Santa Claus. <laughs> I, don't, I think Biff Whiff has the best per minute per thirty six stats in acting. He really does. He's so good in that movie. His per thirty six is his per, his per thirty six is like Wilt's nineteen sixty one season. <laughs> it's like Joe. It's like Joel's uh, twenty twenty three twenty four season. Right? Oh, wow. oh, oh, wow. we're gonna talk about him. We're gonna talk about him. Um, also, Bobon, little Bobon sighting in uh, self reliance. You guys catch that? Obviously, because he's nine feet tall. <laughs> he's great fantastic. at playing an assassin, man. He is so good. <laughs> oh man, I wish I could watch Jake Johnson and a Jake Johnson interview about just that scene and what it was like to get beat up by Bowman. Incredible, incredible stuff. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's dive in, boys. We're uh, on today's episode. We are breaking down the real trade deadline week. I don't know about you guys. I definitely there were definitely moments this last week where I was like, wait, <laughs> which moves were real and which moves were? Uh, am I just remembering from our fake trade deadline week? <laughs> Definitely caused me a lot of confusion. Uh, And then we'll wrap up with Jason's Mud Pie moment of the week. But first, a little bit of news of the week. Uh, Again, going back to Joel Embiid. uh, Went down with uh, with an injury that is going to sideline, a a meniscus injury that's going to sideline him for at least six weeks, right? Or is it four weeks when he's going to be reevaluated? Which means he's going to be out for more time. Um, Which is really, really unfortunate given the... uh, the season he was having and just the all-time heater he was on this season. Um, we wanted to talk for a minute about the uh, the 65 game games played rule. Zach, I know you have some takes you want to get off uh, get off your chest. Let's start with you. Thoughts about just the injury and uh, and the 65 games rule. You know, it's a real gut punch. Uh, I think either last week or two weeks ago when we were talking about Embiid, I I noted like he's having maybe the best season of all time. Definitely one of the best seasons. It's very hard to quantify how, what the best season really is. So it hurts to see that he's not going to qualify for the MVP. But when you start to break it down, I, I, I feel like I'm almost kind of like speaking out both sides of my mouth with this. But how valuable is a guy who plays 80% or less than 80% of the games compared to other elite players like Jokic or Shea or Giannis? who are playing 90, 95, almost 100% of the games. And in the case of Giannis this year, he's only missed like two games. So I guess that's my first question here. Like, what do you guys think about Embiid not being eligible for MVP? I think, I mean, look, I, there, were a lot of, there were a lot of podcasts that I listened to over the last two weeks that, that kind of broke this down in detail. And I think where my head is at at this point is, regardless of the 65-game rule, there is kind of a natural rule of thumb anyway for games played like the required games played to even be eligible. If you look at kind of NBA history. So this injury, I mean, regardless of whether he plays 65 games, I mean, I just don't think he would have gotten anywhere close to enough games. Um, I think people want there, there are people out there that want to blame 
the 65 games play rule for his injury. Like he played specifically so that he could be eligible in that Warriors game. I guess the counter that I would make is like Kaminga just fell on his knee. I don't know if there was a way to avoid that. And again, you could say that it exacerbated another injury that had already existed. That's a fair argument, but I don't, I just don't think he would have gotten there. Um, History tells us with Embiid too, that it's, it's just uncommon for him to play more than 65 games or, or close to that. He's had a couple seasons where that's been the case, but that's not the norm. Yeah, there have been a lot of takes out there. I The, the one that was most convincing to me um, was uh, Jeff Stotts, the guy from in the or, sorry in street clothes, was on the low post. And he's he is strictly just a, uh, a, a training guy. He is he is all about uh, this specific issue and what he basically said is sort of what you said is that voters can take things into consideration themselves and that the biggest problem with this rule is that the only consideration that should ever be given to whether a guy plays or not is whether he is physically healthy to play. Um, And even just introducing other factors that like are directly tied to a decision of whether a guy plays or not. It, it, I mean, it obviously implies that guys have not been playing for reasons apart from health, right? It's, it implies kind of bad faith in decisions in the past. And maybe there was some I'm sure think there probably was some, um, in Los Angeles on the Clipper side. Um, but, uh, I think the with with the fact that the voters can take these things in, into consideration anyway, um, you know the Sixers are two and four without Embiid. I expect they're probably going to continue to fall. I haven't looked at their upcoming schedule, but like if they fall to the play-in or to like I don't know five six seed, he wasn't going to get the MVP anyway, um, and. Uh, especially with the number of games played. So I just, I don't like the rule because I don't like just adding any possibility of incentivizing a guy to play when they're not fully healthy. Um, I'm not saying that no, and no one's saying that's what happened here because uh, we don't know enough about Joel, but um, I, I, I would like to get rid of the rule, especially because it affects guys money, like winning, making an all NBA team, uh, winning an MVP, can make you eligible for the Supermax. Um, and I certainly think no matter how far the Sixers fall with the number of games Joel's played, he's like, he's not going to lose. He already won an MVP. He's already eligible for a Supermax, but like he should still be on an all NBA team. No matter like, even it, like he's still at least the third best uh, center or front court player in the league, even with this number of games played. Uh, so I that that's where I fall. Is this, I I would say get rid of the rule. I I entirely. I think it's a really good point that voters should be able to make up their own minds of what qualifies for most valuable. For some context, Sixers are five and thirteen without Embiid and twenty six and eight when he plays. So that would be tied with the Celtics for first in the East at that pace uh, when when he's on the court. And you can kind of take this point both ways. It shows that he is like immensely valuable in that MVP conversation. They're winning. They're the best team in the league, basically, because of him. And like uh, uh, 12, a 12 seed or a 13 seed in the East when he's not playing. But it also means that like his absences cost his team 
dearly in terms of seeding. It's going to be like a really hard road to have to play on the road against and go through Boston and Milwaukee just to get to the finals and then probably not have home court advantage in the finals, even if they made it. So, you know, it's, it's tough for me because I feel like your impact on winning is directly correlated with being on the court. And that's kind of what the advanced stats try to talk about. Like if you look at like plus minus, you see, Oh, who's the best player this year. And that's why Embiid is number one. doesn't matter how many games, but then you look at like win shares and it's, it shows O'Shea, Giannis, Jokic, Doncic are over Embiid. Why? Well, they've been on the court more. So to your point, I think voters can make up their own minds and kind of look at those stats and, and, and figure them out however they want uh, for determining MVP. Uh, I definitely think it should at least be out of second and third team All-NBA. If you want to keep it in for the other awards, whatever. But those other ones where guys' money is in play, I think that's a great point. All right, boys. Should we move on to a real, real trade deadline week? Not to be confused with uh, fake trade deadline week, which was our episode from last week. If you have not listened to the chaos that ensued on the episode last week, highly, highly recommend. It was a very, very fun listen and very fun to record. We're going to dive into real trade deadline week. Um, not going to lie, a little bit of a dud. Was was expecting maybe some more uh, fireworks, some more kind of big moves to happen, but I do think there were still some some exciting moves that uh, that happened. So we're gonna we're gonna go through and kind of grade the major trades that happened. We'll talk about some of the smaller moves and then uh, a few other things having to do with trade deadline week. But most notably, let's let's get this kicked off with uh, with the Dallas Mavericks and what they did this last week. So just to uh, to remind our listeners and to remind you guys, they ended up getting PJ Washington from the Hornets in exchange for Grant Williams, Seth Curry, and a first round pick. They also picked up Daniel Gafford from the Wizards in exchange for Rashawn Holmes and a 2024 first round pick. They went to the bank of Sam Presti to uh, to implement another yet another trade swap for 2028. Um, you know, OKC just has a, a, obviously a plethora of first rounders to, to give out. But um, I'm going to throw it out to the group. Uh, what do you guys think about what the what the Mavericks did this week? I saw a tweet. I think it was from Jason Concepcion. About how now Grant Williams has gotten traded twice for being annoying. I, I was going to ask Zach what if that if that hurt his uh, hurt his feelings that that Grant got traded and all the reports came out that he just he rubbed people the wrong way in Dallas. I, I can totally understand where that's coming from. He he seems like a pretty obnoxious guy. <laughs> I liked how he played the first half of last season in Boston, but there's cl- clearly something between this season and the second half of last season when he fell out of the Celtics rotation to what this guy's quality on the team chemistry is and maybe just his skill overall. Maybe he isn't as good as as I thought he was at the beginning of last year. I do wonder about trading defense for offense when you're already such a good offensive team. It's really putting all of your chips into one bucket, and I, I wonder if that's the best move for the Mavericks. Well, if we if we base it on their performance against the Oklahoma City Thunder yesterday, they're going to win the NBA championship because they absolutely <laughs> blasted the Thunder. It was one forty six to one eleven. I actually thought I told you guys I thought about driving up to that game, and I'm grateful that I didn't because <laughs> OKC got smashed. Um, Gafford, I don't know if you guys saw his stat line from yesterday. It was it was pretty amazing. The Gafford piece was a little a little confusing to me just because I'm like, okay, we're trading a first rounder for basically a, a backup if we think that Lively is going to continue to be the starter and 
but I guess it, it, it provides you a little bit more versatility. If one of those guys gets hurt, you know, there's a little bit of insurance for both of them. The PJ Washington uh, move. I really like, it's going to be interesting to see if he is kind of reignited. I was looking at his stat. He's not, he's shooting 33% from three this year. For some reason, I, mm-hmm. in my mind, I'm like, Oh, he's a, he's a knockdown guy. And I just Austin's don't think that's same. necessarily been the case for, for his career. Right. So, but I think you put him next to a guy like Luca, and I, I would think that his sort of uh, desire to play a little bit more defense and to potentially, you know, be that kind of mega or super supercharged role player uh, is going to be a lot higher because Luca just sets guys up perfectly. I do I'd... wonder about Zach's earlier point about just like wondering about uh, offense for defense. The Nuggets showed last year, right? We've talked about this before, how they had either the top-rated offense or the second-highest-rated offense last year in a in a middling defense is a pretty, you know, that could be a viable path toward contention. And so the Mavericks doubling down and being like, okay, you know, the object of the game is to score more points than the other team, and we're just going to do that in spades. But there is also something to, like, when your offense is completely unstoppable, it does create a lot of pressure on on the other team, you know, to to trade bucket for bucket. And so I do wonder if longer term there is going to be something viable about that. I don't think you can really I, I don't think you can argue that the Mavericks aren't aren't better than they were a couple days ago. Um uh especially if you go prisoner of the moment from yesterday. But um like PJ Washington just is a better player than Grant Williams right now, even if he isn't doesn't provide the same defensive fit. Uh, and Daniel Gafford's just a just a, a great straight ad for this team, um, who who needs front court depth and another another guy in the rotation. Um, with that said, you know, yeah, giving up it, it, it looks like multiple first round picks is pretty wild. Uh, but I I can I am never going to to criticize a team with a superstar this late in his kind of rookie contracts because your second contract's basically a oh a rookie contract um but yeah jay we just I, lost jay hopefully he'll be back i, could, I thought it was just I me couldn't, i couldn't tell what was happening yeah yeah me neither i was like what um so here, all, here's a question of, for you guys oh, sorry so go ahead zach oh i just wanted to agree with with jason that pj washington is like the perfect player to play alongside luca and Kyrie. he's a he's a third scorer He's shown that before, uh, even though this year has been kind of weird, but the Hornets are just weird. So you can't really take anything, uh, or I should say you, sh- you have to take everything with a grain of salt that's happening over there. I wanted to make a point about Daniel Gafford. Derek Lively is obviously the center of the future, but he is a rookie. And come playoff time, I think you're going to want someone with a little bit more experience, that veteran presence. And Gafford is really, really good. Uh, I... It's so it's not about whether the Mavericks really got better. They definitely got better. How good can they be? I don't know. But they gave up a lot. They moved like the only first round picks they have to use in the future to, to do this. And I think they're trying to build a specific team around Luca and they're doing a really good job of it. I still think they're missing maybe like one more piece, like a wing defender. They're probably hoping Josh Green turns into that. I don't really know if that's going to happen though. The reports, one of the reports was that they went, they went really hard after Kuzma. And I was going to throw it out to you guys. Do you guys think that kind of pushing all the 
chips into the middle of the table now versus wait because I think if they waited until the summer they'd have they would have had three first rounders to potentially give up. I don't know if that would have got it done or if there's another team that's going to swoop in and potentially get Kuz, but would you guys rather have what they got or Kuzma in the summer? I'd rather have what they got than three picks for Kuzma. That's too much for Kuzma. And if the Wizards are able to get that, really good for them. I think PJ Washington at his best is basically Kuzma. Minus maybe like the defensive upside that Kuzma has when when he's actually engaged. Um, also, just one other point I wanted to make. I wonder if in deciding to trade defense for offense, they were kind of looking at what they had around the league, uh, or, or I should say around the Western Conference and who they have to guard in particular to make it to the finals, realizing, okay, we're not going to really stop Jokic, but we can throw Lively at him, we can throw Powell at him, we can throw Gafford at him. And then they have Exum, who is an elite defender to guard the really good guards in the West, specifically Darren Fox, Shea Gilgis alexander um, and, and Jamal Murray. So if you th- if you look at it that way, like maybe they were like the elite wings in the West aren't as great a concern as like the guards, the centers. And so we're just going to push our chips there, get some scorers on the wings and go that way. Yeah. One thing I was was going to say was just I'm just never going to blame a team with a superstar that's like this late into his rookie deals because I treat your second contract like it's still a rookie deal if you take it from the same team. Um, like he's so late into his team, Luca is so late into his team control that, and he's so good. Just not gonna blame a team for going uh, this hard to try to give him a chance to win every year. Um, they're obviously the the thing that we blame them for is messing up the Jalen Brunson situation. Um, that's what we blame them for, and that's what they're still trying to make up for. Um, so, I mean, they're doing their best, uh, and, and being aggressive. And I appreciate that. Yeah. I will never, I will never forgive them for letting Jalen Brunson go when they could have had him for cheap. Uh, okay. So let, let's move on to the, uh, the, the next kind of bigger move. Gordon Hayward, our guy, Gordo jazz legend is, uh, is heading to the thunder. The thunder traded for Hayward in exchange for Trey Mann. Davis Bertans, Micic, and draft compensation. I think it was uh, a second or two seconds. Um, Zach, let's get it started with you as uh, as one of our our Thunder guys. Thoughts on the on, on the Hayward trade? What do you think about it? So I think I think it's a great move. Whenever you trade players that aren't really in your rotation for a guy who fits perfectly into your rotation, that's a win. Uh, when I saw that Micic was added to the deal, I wasn't as excited about it. Obviously. They think Casey Wallace is their backup point guard behind Giddy and, and Shea. And they have enough guys to cover those minutes that they really didn't need another facilitator and creator in the backcourt. Uh, but that one kind of hurt. I like Trey Mann, um, but it's a good deal. I don't know. Maybe you guys have seen more Hornets than I have this year. Does Gordon Hayward have anything really left to offer? Because I think the upside is there, but but I don't really know if he is still anything like the player he used to be. That was my question was like, wait, Gordon Hayward is like not injured right now. I was honestly kind of surprised by that. Also, quick shout out to our fake Davis Pertons to the Hornets trade that maybe shouldn't have happened. The one of three trades that you made with Davis Pertons last week. <laughs> Ropes. <laughs> uh, I mean, the, on the Hayward piece, I, I actually do think he still has 
stuff left in the tank. I don't think he's necessarily like a knockdown shooter, but he's still a great creator. I think he's averaging like 15, five and five this season. Um, so he's still kind of that, that Jack of all trades, you know, master of none type of player that I think he's kind of always been just at a lesser level. I like it cause it's, it really feels like a no risk type of move for the thunder. They didn't give away any of their first for him. The Michich piece Hurts because I think he was starting to, to come on a little bit more. Trey Mann, I've always loved, but he just was not in the rotation and was not going to get minutes. And I, I, I'm, I'm happy for him that he's going to go somewhere where he's actually going to get a, a, a shot to play. Um, I just think that the lineup versatility that that Hayward potentially adds, where in a closing lineup, you know, I mean, honestly, Giddy hasn't really been playing in their closing lineup anyway. So if you need a little bit more length, you need a little bit more more playmaking. And you don't want to kind of give up the shooting because Hayward's still a, a decent three-point shooter. He's at least going to keep defenses honest. They're at least going to have to close out on him. Whereas Giddy, teams are just leaving him wide open from three um, for good reason because he's not shooting it super well this season. I love the versatility that it adds. And he's just like another, he just seems like another Thunder guy to me. Like just a great, you know, great high IQ playmaker. He's not going to take shots away from anybody, but is going to be that kind of connector that they potentially need. And he's a veteran, which is something that the Thunder need. Have some guys who have some playoff experience who have been there before. I'm I'm kind of like in a I don't I don't know if this really like registers on my Richter scale that much. It could, um, but I think there are multiple possibilities where it just turns out that he's not as 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 strong of an option in the rotation as other guys that they already have, um, and he doesn't end up playing that much. Uh, it's also possible he doesn't end up playing that much because he's not available. He hasn't played since December 26th, I think is what I saw. Um, but when he has played this season, he's been a, he's been a valuable player. He's, you know, he's, he's relatively efficient, um, uh, averaging like 15 points a game, uh, like almost 15, five and five. Like that's a, you know, that's a solid, solid addition if he is, if he's on the court and if he fits into what they're doing and he seems like a guy who generally fits into whatever his team needs him to do. Um, I can't, I mean, I can't imagine a team this good uh, having Gordon Hayward close a playoff game in 2024. But if it happens, uh, I will tip my cap to, to good old Gordo. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be really fun to see. Yeah, I don't see him closing play, playoff games either. But the most value I see from him on the Thunder is not running bench units, but providing some real steadiness to bench units, right? Where he still does things at a really good level. And so, you know, you, you get 15, uh, 15 to 20 minutes of Gordo off the bench. You know, I don't know if you got a stew going, but it's it's getting there. It's like they already had a stew going, like in there they added like a very like an like an interesting like some potatoes, like some more potatoes into the stew. You know? <laughs> some more potatoes into the stew. It'd be sweet potatoes because uh, they, they're really uh, versatile. Is, 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 <laughs> what kind of stew are we I making? I think it's more here? of a potato. It's it's basically a no risk trade in the end. The Thunder, I think, still have two first round picks this season. So moving Trey Mann and Michich off the roster. And and with Hayward being an expiring, they could fill that with those two spots or they can go get someone else. I am disappointed that they did not go get a backup big. As much as I love Jalen Williams, I would have liked someone like Daniel Gafford 
or some other guys we talked about. Nick Richards from the Hornets, get him included in the trade. Something like that. Hey, they got they got Biombo, man. Yeah, Put some respect on Biombo's name. Yeah, what about Biombo, uh, who's on his third then? team this year? Third team this <laughs> year. <laughs> I, I thought he was on a team when I saw that he was a, a, a free agent. I was like, oh, okay. Did not know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gafford would have been. I mean, the, the thing is, is like I I, w- I sent you guys this in the in the text thread. Like, the Thunder gave up their 2024. I think it was like one of their worst 2024 picks, but they gave up that pick to the Mavericks to go get. Gafford again that 2028 pick swap I think is going to be pretty juicy because there's a shot that Luca won't even be around then but it would have been nice to just go out and get Daniel Gafford right I just I think I can't remember I think it was Zach Lowe that brought this point up this last week that his sort of rationale behind them not going out and getting a, a, a big is that if you insert a big into the lineup it just changes their identity completely and kind of what they do and I wonder if Presti was like let's let these kids go out take their lumps in the playoffs and then we can sort of reassess based on how we perform on what we need going into next season we can go out and get that and make a run next year that must have been Presti assessing that no matter what they're not going to be able to do anything against Jokic and he's going to beat them right now because where it really hurts is if this team is actually good in the playoffs and they get into the second round against the Nuggets or even the conference finals against the Nuggets if they if they happen to you know keep the chemistry going and fire on all cylinders. And then all of a sudden there's Nikola Jokic and there's no one to guard him on their entire roster. Chet can't do it. At Chet's like the best one of the best defenders in the league and there's no way like at his size he's going to be able to do it. Yeah. Yeah, nope. So that's why I wanted somebody was for that like what if you get lightning in a bottle and and you're you're able to actually make the finals this year. Like that's when you're going to need that piece. I think uh I think what we've what one of the themes of this trade deadline is like a lot of teams don't know what they have like there are a lot of teams that don't know how good they can be and are being optimistic about how good they can be um because a lot of teams kept their powder dry didn't really significantly change uh their roster and especially when it comes to contending playoff teams Dallas is really the only one that did anything to change their situation and it feels like with, with the way that well, the, well, the Knicks made significant additions. That's true, but um, but when we'll get to that, obviously. But um, but when it comes to, like changing the identity of their team or or like, I, it just feels like with the way the game has changed and the way scoring has been this season and the way the Nuggets won last year, I think a lot of teams are like maybe we do have it. And we 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 don't need to like necessarily use kind of antiquated notions of what a championship team looks like to grade our team right now. Um, and we'll just see kind of how it plays out, and then in the summer we'll have more picks to trade. Um, it feels like that's kind of like what what a lot of teams decided to do, and a lot of teams are just like, we'll just be like the Bulls. We'll just be like, we'll just be oh man, mediocre. <laughs> But we'll, we'll move on to more trades. Yeah. Should we talk about the uh, concrete jungle where dreams are made of? New York? <laughs> very, Definitely. very quickly about the Bulls. There's just one. There's. I told Jason this earlier. I want to give the Bulls an award. And this is called the Streets Ahead Ward. Uh, this is a quote from the show Community. If you're not streets ahead, you're streets behind. And it's uttered by one Pierce Hawthorne. Uh, 
who thinks that he is a genius. So this award goes to the team who thinks that they are a genius, but uh, so it's, it's looking a little rough out there. So the Streets Ahead Award <laughs> goes to the, your Chicago Bulls. So brutal. So, so brutal. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> well, uh, the Knicks did not stand pat like the Bulls. They uh, they decided to bolster their their roster even more. I, I love the moves that they made. They went out and got uh, Boyan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks from the Pistons. Uh, the Pistons received in exchange Quentin Grimes, the, cor- the corpse of Evan Fournier, Malachi Flynn, Ryan <laughs> Archie Diacono, and two future second round picks. Throwing it out to the 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 crew here. Thoughts on the Knicks going out and getting uh, uh, two additional rotation pieces for their their uh, their run this season. I love what the Knicks have done. MSG is hopping again. Without trading a first round pick, they're able to get these guys. They now have OG Ananobi. Alec Burks and, and Boyan Bogdanovich in that rotation. Uh, look, they still don't have like the elite talent that they need to probably reach or win a finals unless they pull some like 2004 Pistons shenanigans or something. But they have a lot of great pieces to like fit a star around if one becomes available. Like Jalen Brunson as your second guy with OG and Boyan. You could fit in a wing or a big there, and all of a sudden, as Dan would say, you got a stew going, man. Like that is just—it's perfect, and it honestly makes me. Speaking of uh, Embiid, like we did at the beginning, it makes me wish this the Sixers season had gone uh, gone worse. Harden had stuck around and totally tanked that team, so Embiid could be trying to force his way to New York right now because he would be the perfect fit and the perfect MSG player. I. I yeah I obviously I don't think there's any way to critique these moves. There's basically no downside. I mean they gave up Grimes, which is like the last of their really really young guys besides Deuce McBride. Um, so they are like they are here now. They are not. There's no youth movement going on. No two timelines. Like, um, but they're but that with that said, their core is is young. They're all in their like mid mid twenties, uh, which is exactly where you want guys to be. Um, I love every player on this roster. Like, there's just th- there's nothing to to criticize about these moves. They added two great guys. I think Boyan is like a low key, like cold blooded playoff like pressure cooker kind of guy. Um, and I'm just gonna say it. Like, I, I, it's very possible that Jalen Brunson turns out to be. I I kind of compare him to like 2011 Derrick Rose. Um, where it was like, whoa, this guy's the next guy. And this guy is like the the floor general and the driver, the engine of a of a great offense and a great team. And then they run into a team like the 2011 Heat or like like the Celtics or something that just kind of like loads up on him and kind of takes him out of what he wants to do. But I'm honestly at this point not like I, I they I'm not I'm not counting out the possibility that Jalen Brunson just might be good enough, like just might be a top five to top 10 guy um, when it comes to the playoffs, especially when surrounded by really good shooting, really good defense, really good players. They, he might just be good enough to be the top end talent to beat any team at this point with what the Knicks have. Um, I, I absolutely think they have a chance to win the championship right now. Whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, Brunson has already killed, blew up uh, my beloved 
uh, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert jazz. He's already got that on his uh, Grim Reaper resume. And so, you know, I, I don't, I think, I think that's a stretch for, for me, for them to be like, oh yeah, they're like a, they're like a legitimate title contender. But here's my question. What happened to the Knicks front office? When did they start being question mark good? Like what, how did this happen? I, I, I honestly, I like, I'm racking my brain. I'm like, did it, it feel, I feel like the, the frog in the boiling water at some point, the water's just rolling around me. And I'm like, how did, how did we get here? It's a really good point. Uh, my one comment on their front office is like, how are they able to do all this without trading any first round picks? Like if anything, maybe they should have done more because I don't know if you guys, (laughs) (laughs) that's a good point. I don't know if you guys know, but they have four first round picks this year. Two of them aren't going to convey because they're, they're the the wizards and the, and the pistons. But like they could have used those immediate picks. They don't need two, even just two first round picks this year. They have like all of their ammunition still dry to use moving forward, which is crazy. If they could just find a way, like I know you love Julius Randle. He is a very good player, especially in the regular season. I don't trust him in the playoffs at all. So if they could find a way to upgrade him for another star to put next to Brunson, man, I'm telling you. Is but. Even without that, is this is this the best Knicks team since like Allen Houston and Jeff Van Gundy rolling around? Like this team's really good. They were the best team in the league in January already. This team definitely kicks yeah. the Mello and Amari teams butts every single time. <laughs> oh, like, easy, not close. Like, play ten seven game series. This Knicks team is winning all ten. Like I have no doubt about that. I just want to make a note about their front office. I mean. I think you can tie it pretty directly to when Leon Rose and all the CAA guys took over. And I think the lesson here is that when you have a, 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 a guy like James Dolan, who like generally has kind of steamrolled his general managers and just kept bringing in guy after guy that just didn't really have the backbone to stand up, up to him. Um, he finally hired some people who, like had the clout and the the kind of standing in the league and and in the community to to do whatever they want and like and not have not be like catering to him. Like Leon Rose already had a job, um, and I think it's another win for former uh, agents becoming GMs. We have Bob Myers, Leon Rose, and now and I think we include Rob Palinka. I mean, he's done obviously a good enough job uh, at this point. Um, so far, it's the that's the wave that's happening right now is former agents becoming GMs and, and doing a heck of a job at it. Rich Paul, he's he's coming for a GM job eventually, right? On the broad the GM team. of the Vegas team <laughs> in uh, three years. That's probably a good point. And Le- LeBron yeah, will LeBron still be playing, and we'll we'll be yeah, I own that team. Do you Player think LeBron coach. will just pay the the Aces to steal their name because that's that's the best. That's the best team name out of Vegas. It's not close. It is an amazing name. Yeah. I think they'll be why called they, the Las Vegas it? Lady Lux, right? <laughs> I was going to say, why aren't they the Queens? Las Vegas Queens. <laughs> That's pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. All right. Well, let's move on to uh, some of the smaller moves. I just wanted to do a little bit of rapid fire here. Are there any any smaller moves that took place this last year that you got, or this last year, this last week? that you guys wanted to uh, 
to touch on. Dan, how sad were you to lose Kelly Olenek and Ogbaji and uh, Fontecchio? Did I, I, oh, okay, I froze. I, Dan, I was asking you how, how sad you were to lose your beloved Fontecchio, Olenek, and Ogbaji from the Jazz. You know, honestly, out of all those players, um, I was the most disappointed about Olenek, and I totally understand the reasoning here, Tony Jones of The Athletic broke it down, um, where the Jazz right traded marginal players for um, draft compensation. And so again, Ainge is keeping keeping his eye on the future. But I will say, I, I will miss Olenek because I think that he had some playmaking chops on the second unit that just kind of kept the, the, the ball rolling, right? Was he long-term going to make sense on the scene? No, he's 33. Right, he's probably on his way out of the league here in the next little bit. But in terms of a vet, in terms of a um, of a good player, someone who you know I didn't trust to like win the game, but somebody who I trusted to ke- uh, keep the ball moving on the court. I I liked his presence, so I'll, I'll miss that a bit. Baji, eh, you know whatever. Fontecchio played a little bit better um, this season than he did last season, but all of these guys, right? I think Baji is twenty four. So he is a uh, wrongly coined two years away from being two years away guy. Fontecchio is an older, like I think he's 28. Olenek is, is 33. So giving up um, the ages here and maybe a little bit more experience for, for draft compensation, you know, it, it might hurt a little bit more in, in, the, in, the short, in the short term being like the next like 10 games where they figure out some rotation things. They've already started giving minutes to like Taylor Hendricks, but a nice block on Kevin Durant. Uh, earlier and what wild the uh, got baptized well, by Kevin Durant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I do. I love it that, yeah. that Hendricks is going to get more minutes for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And so it just, it just makes sense. Part of the youth movement. Um, but by Kelly Olenek and your luscious, luscious hair. I think Ainge made this move for one reason and one reason only or principally. And that's so that the jazz get to keep their pick in this year's draft. He wants them to be one of the 10 worst teams. Uh, and so the Thunder are going to lose out on that pick, unfortunately. The one I didn't understand in that deal was Agbaji. I know he hasn't really hit the potential that he has uh, since he's been traded to the Jazz, but he was like the headliner of that deal. I mean, obviously the picks were the headliner of the Donovan Mitchell deal, but Agbaji was like the get, the young guy. Markinen was more of a throw-in. Now, obviously those, those uh, roles have been, have been flipped but I'm just surprised that they gave up on him so quickly when they have this youth movement going on. I don't think he's two years away from being two years away. I think he is like a year or two if if he just is in the right system. He has everything you need to be kind of like that three and D and even some creation skills. So, Yeah, I mean, I, I'll go, go for it, Jay. I was just going to say, I agree that like, they, got a, they got a first round pick for the for that combination, but what do you have first round picks for to get young players to get young young control like cost controlled talent with potential to see what they can turn into and i feel like that's what agbaji is um but if they are out on him as a prospect then they're out on him as a prospect they want another bite at the apple yeah they punted on him uh what i read too is that they're start- gonna start to give um bryce sensabaugh more more minutes as well they're a they play the same position essentially, right? They're they're out in the wing, and so they they probably looked at it and they're like, Ibaji defensively um, is 
pretty much here, right? Obviously some fine tuning, but a pretty good defensive player. Offensively, though, at times it was really brutal. To your point about being in the right system, like if he if he shared the floor with with the right teammates where he could be in the right spots, then he could do okay. But more often than not on offense, he was just wandering around like a chicken with his head cut off. And so I'm sure when Jazz Brass looked at Sensabaugh versus Igbaje, I don't know if that's exactly what they looked at, but if you compare the two, I think Sensabaugh has far more offensive upside. And so they're like, okay, we're going to run with 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 our our younger guys than Igbaje, who's still only 24. Yeah, it's a good pickup for the for the Raptors to kind of fit into their new movement they're trying to do. Yeah, my question for the Jazz is just like, what's the what's the plan here? I mean, I I've been asking that question for the last two years. It feels like like are we leaning into the tank? Are we not leaning into the tank? We're leaning into the tank yet again, 50 plus games into the season. Like what, why did we not just do this from the beginning? I know we have marketing on the team, so it makes it a little bit more, more difficult, but like if we're, if we're trying to lean into the, the youth movement, why not trade Jordan Clarkson? Uh, are we keeping Colin Sexton? Is he part of the future? Is he a guy that you potentially uh, get off while his value is, is, uh, is high? Um, I'm just confused by by what they're doing. I think it's going to be to your point, Zach. My guess is that Danny wants to to retain that first rounder that they owe to the the Thunder that's top ten protected for this upcoming draft. I don't know. I'm just kind of like pick a direction and <laughs> and go with it versus like waffling back and forth. It's, I imagine. Kind of, I'll go. For I imagine that Danny Ainge wasn't getting the offers for Clarkson and Sexton that he was hoping to get. I imagine he was pushing for like a full first round pick, no protections or minimal protections for either one of those guys. And teams this year just didn't seem like they were paying for full freight for anyone. Uh, so like when Kuzma was at least two picks or more, people were like, no, we're not going to do that. Except maybe the Mavericks tried. I don't know. Uh, obviously none of the big names like DeRozan or Zach Levine, obviously he was hurt. So that changes it, but these guys weren't traded. So I think it was just a weird trade deadline. And Ainge probably tried to get, as Ainge is apt to do, he tried to get as much as he could. Yeah, I think All right, part of jazz, jazz talk. is pro. <laughs> nope, I'm going one more. One more point because i got to leave in like two minutes. One, 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 one more jazz point. Um, part of the problem is that they have been too good. Like, obviously, they're, they're you know, uh, around a 500 team right now. But that's too good for what they should be doing, right? Should be in quotes about you know tanking and trying to boost their their draft picks as much as they can but I think Will Hardy's a good coach I think he gets the most out of out of his teams that's just who he is and so they're you know they're not like hey we're just going to coast we're just going to you know play our young guys and see what's going on that at, at times the Jazz have looked really good and at times they've looked really bad and so I, I and, and that's kind of what happened last year too is that they they played too well they've they're they're playing too good for where they should be, and so it's it's really hard as a front office, to, right? And that was a big joke last year. I know with us was like Danny going to be like, "Hey guys, you're 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 gonna have to go out and suck some more so that we can be better later." And so I I do think that that that's a a, a fine line to walk. And as a front office, like, what is the messaging? How like how do you get that across? And to your point, I think that's something the Jazz are still figuring out. Any other rapid fire takes on any of the smaller moves that that took place? Dude, Buddy Heald to Philly is like a, a tiny and worse version of what I did for Philly in the trade ex- extravaganza, getting Gary Trent. Um, 
but I like that move. I don't know if they're going to be really in a position to uh, for for Buddy Heal to do what they need him to do, which would be to play next to uh, Maxi and Embiid and just fire off wide open threes. Uh, but I like that addition, given that they only traded like three seconds, and they they actually complied with Firkin's uh, trade demand too, which is just great. Um, Free agent Corkmaz. He got waived by Indiana, like, immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Be careful what you wish for, buddy. Uh, (laughs) um, I'm not sure what Indiana was doing there, giving up Buddy Heal, but, uh, but, yeah. Uh, But a similar move was also the Suns getting Royce O'Neal. I just like both of those moves. Good contending teams adding solid rotation guys that do things that they need for minimal prices. It's just fantastic. Um, I am, like... I'm like really close to uh, like reassuming my take from the beginning of the season about Phoenix being a, a, a championship contender. They're looking really good. Well, somebody picked them to win the champion or not to, to get to the finals. And um, I agree. They've looked really good. Uh, obviously. Except lost. when Steph well, buries them. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say lost in heartbreaking fashion against the Warriors last night. Uh, we don't want to talk about that too much because, you know, it's, I'm starting to get I'm starting to get mildly concerned <laughs> that the Warriors might start to be good again. I think they've won like they've won four in a row. I think there's something like six and two in their last eight. It's snip snap. It's back, man. Draymond said in his post game that they're that they're a really good team when he plays. <laughs> He's not wrong. He's not wrong. I can't stand the dude most of the time, but he was definitely in. A, I mean, he he. He absolutely owned Nurkic yesterday. Like, was in his head. It was kind of embarrassing, actually. Oh, what? Nurkic? No way. No, crazy, right? He, yeah, it was, it was, it was not great. It was not great. Um, along those lines, the wrong team got Xavier Tillman. Gosh dang it! Oh my gosh. The Suns yeah. could use him so much more than the Celtics. Ugh. The Suns need him so badly. But it's another good pickup by the Celtics. They traded nothing for Tillman and Springer. Springer's a guy who there were a bunch of articles because obviously Boston media loves to talk about him, but a bunch of articles about how they've been eyeing Springer for years. They've been trying to get him and Philly like wouldn't talk about him, even though they only had him in the G League. It just seems to me like one of those guys that Stevens, because uh, I think Stevens is really who's running the ship, not Missoula. Stevens is going to go in and like turn this guy into a rotation player. I don't know. It seems like a Boston thing. Did you guys love when Pat Bev came out and said that uh, Daryl Morey promised him that he wasn't getting traded, and then he got traded? I'm like, man, this is just so on brand for Morey, just continuing the the trend of uh, lying. Daryl Morey's a liar. It's also on on brand for Pat Bev to talk yeah, about absolutely. everything that happens behind closed doors, <laughs> and also to like not want to get traded and get traded, and like think he's like I'm part of this crew, and then he's gone. <laughs> it's just yeah. He's going for that Jeff Green Pat, award of being Pat on Bev, every single team in the league. <laughs> Pat Bev and Marcus Morris, like RIP to those interviews Marcus Morris did in December about how he had like really found, found a home in Philly and stuff. <laughs> for a month and a half. A... <laughs> <laughs> it's actually kind of sad. He Didn't he just get a key to the city? Did you guys see that? Yes. He got oh my gosh. This is so brutal. Uh, so, so uh, brutal. I do um, love Pat Bev sour grapes though. I do yeah. have that sound great. Like, and like a few weeks ago, he said something like, uh, "He said something like 
a year ago they were blaming me and Russ for being the problem in LA, and now look at us, we're both on elite teams. Like, okay, but like that's not Wrong. because of, those those teams are not elite because of you. I mean, like, I mean, Pat Bev went to another elite team. He's on Milwaukee, but um, but do you think Pat he actually Bev makes a difference Rivers? in Milwaukee? No. No, no, but, I definitely but he's better than so. campaign, and campaign was giving them zero. So, I mean, I he's know. at least like a defensive guard. I don't know. Is he even still an elite defender? I don't know anymore. He's been on so many teams, and I can't even tell what he is. Yeah, me neither. I think it's. I don't know, Jason. You watched him up close and personal last year. Is he? Does he still have anything in the tank? The defensive tank? I don't think he's elite. I think he's okay to good defensively, which. Uh, could be useful on Milwaukee, but he also brings just some weird vibes and headaches that, like, is he going to be doing stuff in Milwaukee where he, like, goes and goes and takes a camera from a reporter to show the screenshot of the <laughs> foul that wasn't called? Like, I, 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 don't, I don't like Milwaukee getting another guy whose, like, main job is media, like Doc Rivers and... Pat Beth, like they're much better at just being members of the media than they are at like contributing to championship basketball. Uh, just, just not a fan of that. I'm excited for the Bobby Portis Pat Bev standoffs, though. That's going to be fun. <laughs> can we can we finish this segment talking a little bit about the Lakers and their lack of movement? Absolutely. I was pr- pretty shocked there were no moves, especially when I saw the prices that some of these role players were going for. To have like Royce O'Neal going for second round picks, he feels like a guy who would have fit in perfectly. Jason was just talking about about role role players. I don't know. Did you expect them to make a move, Pat? Absolutely, absolutely. They were at the top of the list of like, oh, they're for sure going to do something just because of the even like the vibes alone. It felt similar to to last season, but I think Jason brought this up earlier. This may be a case where. Palinka in the front office and maybe even well I don't know how how involved Darvin Ham is these days I think they maybe looked at the roster and were like look we have the pieces we need to be successful we just need to to sort of figure it out um they looked really good against Pelicans I know Jay you were at that game um so I was definitely shocked when they didn't make a move but I also think they're trying to retain their assets to to do something big this summer and maybe there was a little bit of like all right, we're kind of sick of LeBron <laughs> pulling his shenanigans in the media. Let's uh, let's just stand pat for now, and we can reassess in the summer. Yeah, sorry, I, I I dropped out. You probably were expecting for me to be able to give a take right off the bat on this, <laughs> but I'm you know I'm I I was mildly disappointed. A lot of Lakers Twitter was pretty disappointed, um, and you know about about just not not trying to add some kind of wing defender some kind or some kind of big man to kind of take up the the Jackson Hayes Christian Wood minutes um which still are just not great though Jackson Hayes has looked a lot better recently um i i think you know i i i don't think that a big enough upgrade was out there especially at the price they could pay to change this team's fortunes um uh, I think this. I think the biggest move they could make if things start to look sour again. I mean, they're on a pretty good run right now. Um, went four and two on that Grammy road trip, and then won this Pelicans game. Even though they also lost that Denver game, but it was tied with two minutes left. You can take that however you want to take it. I'm done with moral victories against the Nuggets. Um, but uh, 
you know, I, I think the determination was, I don't think, you know, I, I, I will probably say, I'm not sure this team has the ceiling, uh, at least as currently constructed, that one more player was going to make them a championship contender. I think, I think their chances to reach that ceiling, the chances to make noise in the playoffs are more connected to getting this group of guys, this core to play together in a more effective way than it is an adding another semi-marginal role, like role player piece. Um, I just don't, it's not like last year where, where it was obvious that you could change one huge part of the core uh, and they could take off. Um, the, the problems are way more complicated uh, and way more potentially connected to coaching um, than their problems last year. And so I just, I, I think it makes sense to not throw everything they had left at this season um, just, just in the hopes of trying to like squeeze one more bit of magic out of the, out of the bottle, out of the lamp. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, squeezing just, the lamp. I, 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 I don't think it makes sense to, to take, <laughs> try to take, throw all the assets at, at taking a big swing at this season when it makes sense, especially with the question marks around LeBron going forward to maintain a little more flexibility going forward. I think, I think you're right. And I think that's why they didn't want to move that first round pick. The issue I see is that in the, in the winter, sorry, in the summer, these role players are going to be more expensive than they are right now. And when I saw Royce O'Neal go for two second round picks and Xavier Tillman went for second round picks and Boyan went for second round picks. The Jet, or the the Lakers have five of them, and contracts to match. Like maybe like Quentin Grimes in seconds is better than Rui and Max Christie and and a couple second round picks. So you, maybe you don't get Boyan. These are guys who like seriously could make a difference. Now, granted, the road in the West goes through the Nuggets, and you really that's your barometer. Like, can we be better than the Nuggets? And I agree that that these moves weren't gonna weren't gonna take you there. And I think they probably spent most of the trade deadline trying to use those five second round picks they have and the one first they have to get DeJounte Murray, who would have been the one difference maker available to them. Uh, and the Hawks rightly didn't accept that trade. Uh, I think they can do better with, with with Murray, potentially even keeping Murray. So, yeah, it's, it's just kind of disappointing because the Lakers were really good last year and kind of surprisingly good in the end, making the conference finals and playing the Nuggets very well that I just... I wanted to see them do something simply so that we would have another sort of elite team in the West. Uh, now maybe the Thunder and and the Timberwolves and some and the Clippers are going to actually be elite teams, so we'll have that in the end. But it's weird to see the Lakers not there when they have two of the top ten, top fifteen best players in the league. I'll also say just to that point about about why didn't they make one of these deals with seconds to get a player like that? I think I think maybe this is just Laker. Lakers fan paranoia. There's always the little voice in the back of our head that says, we don't always, teams don't always want to make those kinds of deals with us, right? Like if we want Boyan, it might be a first round pick versus two seconds. Who knows? I mean, that again, that's paranoia probably, but um, I think there are teams that don't want to, don't want to make those kinds of deals with the Lakers. And specifically, I think there are teams that don't like Rob, Rob Polinka very much. Um, and so it is what it is. Well, I mean, who knows? I'd like to, I'd like to say based on his history that he was out there trying to make something happen. Um, 
but uh but yeah we'll see i i do i mean i'm i'm glad i'm just gonna say right now i'm glad d'angelo russell is still on the team i'm really i was actually just gonna say i I don't think it's insane to to say that d'lo hit the value that he's bringing at least right now again he's he's can be as inconsistent as they come but i don't like swapping that out for DeJounte Murray potentially and giving up a lot of assets, would that have been a, a huge game changer or a huge, you know, increase in production over what D'Lo is providing on offense right now? I think the answer might be no. And maybe that was part of the equation too. Again, I just hope he can, I hope he can keep it up um, throughout the rest of the season. And if they end up going on a, a playoff, run. I think at the very least they're going to make the plan and their team. I mean, as a Thunder fan, like if, they were matched up with the Lakers in the first round. I'd be terrified. Like you have a bunch of guys that are playoff proven and have done it, you know, many, many times And the thunder are, are new to the scene. So I still think they could potentially make some noise. I just, I, you know, they're, they're not the like legitimate contender that I was expecting coming into the season. I want that series to happen. I think it'd be really fun for the pod. And I also uh, think yeah, it would be fun pod, to see Lakers and thunder to see Shay sort of slay the slay, the beast of LeBron. <laughs> Dude, that would be that I my I can I can picture the script of that series already as looking a lot potentially a lot like Lakers Denver games where it's close and then one team knows how to execute down the stretch and the other doesn't and weirdly that team that doesn't know the hex, how to execute is the LeBron team. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we we like have to win games in the third quarter right now, um, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I I. I'm just shifting into a place of measured expectations with this Lakers team where like, I'm going to take joy from like watching D'Angelo Russell, hopefully continue doing what he's doing and take joy from watching my basketball team, hopefully play the best that they can without expecting a championship out of it. And I feel great about that. Spoken like somebody who came up in the participation trophy era. I'm just kidding. (laughs) We actually didn't. We, we, We were not raised in the participation trophy era. It's our, it's the youths, the youths of today. Uh, well, Jay, let's kick it back over to to you for our, our mud pie moment of the week. What uh, what stinkiness have you prepared for us today? I'm glad that I didn't have to do the old like I'm not going to give a take on this team right now because they're the mud pie moment. Nobody really went here. Uh, I mean, we talked about them making trades, but we didn't really talk about what they meant for this team. Gosh, dang it, Detroit! I knew like, it. I knew it. <laughs> Detroit Pistons, this Munpai moment is for showing up like Chunky on the on the game <laughs> show Chunky with just no plan. Like we figure out what you do before you come out here. Before you get on the phone with Leon Rose. Before you get on the phone with these guys. Before you like issue the press release that you're that you're waving Killian Hayes figure out what you do like i i don't feel like there's anything coherent about the moves that they made or about the what and this this stretches back this isn't just a trade deadline uh complaint this is a going back year and a half like why didn't you trade boyan for two first round picks a year ago. Like why, why did you hold on to him just to trade him with Burks for seconds and Quentin Grimes? Um, why did you let Monty Williams play 
Killian Hayes all these minutes all season just to wave him. It, it it's unbelievable. <laughs> I'm so confused by what's going on with the Pistons right now. Uh, and I it it's just it's I mean thankfully they did not trade any of the core. Like that's the only coherent part of the plan is that like they they have to see what Cade, Ivy, Durin, Asar have. Uh, and they didn't trade my beloved Marcus Sasser too, so that's nice. Um, but there's just no there's no coordination happening between Troy Weaver in the front office and Monty Williams, obviously. It's, it feels like when they when they hired Monty, they just sort of were like, he's really good and he'll just be perfect and he'll just figure it out and we don't have to like tell him what to do. We don't have to do anything. Monty has been very bad, weirdly. Um, it's it's actually shocking. Um, I put my money where my mouth was preseason and like included them in actual like sports bets when it come, came to their over under betting their over <laughs> because because I believed in Monty and the talent they have on this team. Monty has been terrible, and it, what's even worse is that what he's doing is not congruent with what the front office is trying to do. This is a bad draft, so like there's there's not really any point in tanking. Their record is so bad that they could even like play well the rest of the season and still probably have top three lottery odds. Uh, they actually are playing really well the last few games. They almost beat the Clippers yesterday. They won two in a um, row before so yesterday. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to see, but when it comes to the overall direction of the team. It's just none of these moves made sense. They didn't get value for these guys. Uh, they they just just it's just a big sloppy mud pie. Got to be value on my end or no deal. Exactly. They, Troy Weaver <laughs> has not watched that episode. <laughs> Honestly, like they sh- they like it, it's like they traded only or it's like they they sold the baby shower only like ten of the meatballs when they have like a hundred meatballs or <laughs> it's like. It's like either sell all the meatballs or keep them all. Like either sell all the fedoras or keep them all. Like I, it's just I just don't understand. It's just really sad. Detroit Pistons. Like get back on your feet or find someone else who's gonna get back on your feet. Like I'm just sad. Just sad. Yeah, I mean that that it's unfortunately it's not just these moves now, right? It's also like trading for James Wiseman when you have 7,000 other centers on the roster, uh, re-signing Marvin Bagley inexplicably for three years, $36 million or whatever it was when there was zero competition out there to re-sign him and then turning around and trading him to the Wizards like a year later. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate, man. The level of like incompetence that seems to be going on with this franchise, paying Monty just an absurd amount of money to come in and, and coach a team that was just not ready to to compete yet. Um, the crazy thing with all this is for as truly terrible as that roster has been this season, the Wizards still might end up having a worse record uh, when all is said and done. I think they're only a game behind them, which is just absolutely insane. But um, look, we're a pro Detroit pod, right? We 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 stand for uh, for the Pistons, especially this roster and the young guys that are on the roster. I just they need to figure out what they do and they need to do it quickly. I'm glad that they, to your point, Jay, that they kept their main kind of core pieces in Duran, Asar Thompson, Ivy, and Cade. Um, 
but beyond that, I just don't know what the direction is moving forward. It's 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 bleak. I'm also just very concerned about like what this incompetence means for how they're going to use their cap space this summer. They're going to have ridiculous amounts of cap space, and I'm like, oh boy, like where is this? Where is this money going to go? I'm so I'm so concerned. Uh, yeah. At least they didn't trade for Zach Levine, right? Thank goodness he yeah. got hurt, or they probably would have. Yeah, no, seriously. Oof. I would actually love to join the Pistons front office right now and provide a vision for this team. I think I, I think exactly what they need to do is start signing really good veterans to, to fill into the holes, not guys who are going to take minutes away from Thompson, Duran, and Cade. Those three are specifically my core. I think Ivy can be part of it, but I would think of him actually more as an asset to use down the road in a trade to upgrade my team when we start playing better. But like find a shooting guard and a power forward that slot in that you can pay 15 to $20 million, nothing crazy to fill out that cap space. And then if they fit in really well, you use them to sort of build up these guys, play something closer to winning basketball, even if that only means 25 wins instead of 12 or whatever. And then they become great trade pieces when you need to make the trades uh, to to get more assets back and then do the whole thing again. There's There are ways to build a team, and it is not this perpetual incompetence and just being bad every year. That's not the way to do it. And guys, Cade is going to be, I think Cade is going to be extension eligible, if not this summer, uh, next summer. That was the biggest, one of the biggest reasons why I thought they were going to try to be better this season is because like they've got guys who are going to have to actually get paid soon. They actually have to see what they have. Um, and they're no farther along on that process than they were eight months ago. I mean, Cade has definitely proven that he should be extended, but um, yeah, it's just really rough. It's yeah, I just looked affairs. it up. He, he is extension eligible. So that's where some of their cap space is going for sure. Yeah, and I'm looking up the, the free agents for this upcoming uh, summer. It's rough. <laughs> it's, it's a little rough and tumble out there, boys. There's a, there's not a lot of heavy hitters as you would. Um, all right, I gotta I, I gotta jump. As always, this has been uh, an amazing time. Thank you guys for jumping on, and we'll uh, we'll get it next week. I grade this podcast an A plus. <laughs> as always, I grade that's I all, grade that mud pie an A plus. That's Thanks, Very Peter. poignant to like this week, what happened. I loved it. We could have given Thank a Bulls, you. the Bulls, a second mud pie too, I think. <laughs> oh, just... Bulls, Bulls are the only team that had a worse uh, trade deadline than, than the Pistons. <laughs> At least they got Quentin Grimes. It's true. Yeah. They got something. They got something. All right, boys. Have a good uh, – go, go, go enjoy your Super Bowl Sunday. Go, go, Batazzi. Go, <laughs> go, Chiefs, reluctantly. <laughs> Go Rams, wait. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye guys. Bye.